Welcome to Biohackers Podcast Live. My name is Teemu Arena. And yeah, we are back after a few weeks of a break. And what is really interesting this week is that we will have at least three of interviews coming up. Today we have Dr. Emilia Vuorisalmi. And we are going to be talking about love and hormones and relationships. And if you really need them for feeling love. And also we will have... On Thursday, Max Lugaver, one of the keynote speakers of Biker Summit, also on the show as well, well as Mad Ventures, Tuna and Riku. And it's going to be exciting. So uh, we will be sending these, as always, live to all our channels on YouTube and Facebook, as well as Instagram. So welcome to the show. Um, so today my guest is Dr. Emilia Vuorisalmi. And you are also coming to Biker Summit to be part of the Biking Woman panel that we have on the second day on Saturday. It's going to be a deep dive into how females can take biohacking. Uh, basically, how females can see biohacking uh, from a very different light perhaps than men do, because there is definitely gender differences when it comes to how you can optimize yourself. Uh, many things are obviously the same, but... There's there's a lot of things that females especially need to pay attention to. So with that, welcome to the show. Thank you. Honored to be here. Yeah, cool. So um, you're a doctor, uh, and uh, I guess you are uh, trained in um, are you a general physician or yeah, special? trained in a very traditional way here in Finland. Right. And uh, but my journey started actually, uh, let's say, ten years ago. I, I had been living in the United States. Mm. I came to Finland and I started to practice so-called normal medicine uh, on a, actually first on the public side and then on a private side. But everything changed when I was exper- experience, um, experiencing a serious like heartbreak a couple of years right. ago and um, and I was very ill. I was mm. basically doing everything right. I was doing yoga, eating right stuff. Uh, these are the things you started practicing after. No, I was doing all that. You always. Or, I've, I'm always it. being like into health and kind of doing everything that, you know, we talk now, taking cold showers, whatever. I was doing all that, but I was still miserable. Like I was having very severe sleep problems. I would be, you know, lying on a spike mat in the middle of the night and just be like, oh my God, am I dying like here? Mm. Painkillers were not helping. Mm. Uh, I had brain fog, uh, you know. If I was taking the stairs up, right. my heart rate would not go down. Kind of mm. a very severe burnout so symptoms. Could, so the burnout symptoms were related to basically the heartbreak. Well, I didn't know that, but what happened was that then, you know, I went and visited a doctor and they took all tests, everything looked fine. They scanned my whole spine and head with MRI. And kind of then the conclusion was that I was having some some uh, some problems with my spine and there was nothing to do so i would most likely would have to suffer all this rest of my life but i was like hey come on this can't be true like something has been changing during the last years because i was totally healthy and now i'm feeling like this and i realized that the only thing that had changed was my love life 
And that was the moment I decided to find out what love does to our brain and our body and wow. what is the role in love uh, when, when it comes to health. So then you became a love doctor and you also wrote a book, Eye on Love. Yeah, I wrote a book and I became a love doctor just to make sure. So okay. the book became a bestseller here in Finland. Right. So then they started to call mm-hmm. me a love doctor, which is um, for me kind of a interesting title as what I really talk is how we can balance the love hormones no matter where we are in our lives, whether we are in a relationship or not. So I'm not kind of curing relationships. That's We have a great psychologist for that. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So you noticed um, elevated heart rate, uh, maybe a, Highly active sympathetic nervous system, extremely uh, active, uh, anxiousness, perhaps also all of that. Thoughts, uh, very poor memory, right? Like basically everything. And um, now I know. Uh, let's say ten years looking back there, I think one of the major issues was that I I was doing pretty much I told right, mm-hmm. but I had forgotten to breathe ah. the correct way. Okay. So even I was doing yoga and all that, my basically, I was still, you know, the girl who would suck in the stomach and not let your right. diet mm-hmm. from, you know, really go, go down and, right. and tell your parasympathetic nervous system that it's all fine. So breathing was key for you? I think now it is because I've, you know, of course in life there's been stressful situations after that as well. And now I always pay a lot of attention, you know, into mm-hmm. breathing. And it's it's also become now automatic. So basically, I do breathe right, I would say now. Right. So that was kind of this, I called it Ensiapopakkaus, what would it, that like first aid kit. So it's like the breathing and all that. But the real stuff that then made me recover, I would say, was actually a very kind of a deep journey more into myself, which now I talk about creating my own or your own sustainable love system, which means basically finding the same hormones that basically, let's say, the Harvard long, uh, the long uh, study, uh, happiness study, which we all know about, proves that you know the key to happiness is healthy relationships, social relationships. But right now, more people are dying because of loneliness, uh, because of loneliness than overweight, and fifty percent of relationships are ending. So my question they? was that how can I achieve that state of happiness without the relationship? Right. So what are they dying from when they die from problems in relationships? What is No, that? I said that the more people are dying uh, of loneliness because loneliness. basically and what yeah, is what is loneliness? What is, what is the well, my actual thing that they when people die, die when they're lonely. Yeah. So I would tip it's a combination of of, uh, you know, not having enough oxytocin, which causes stress problems. It's kind of, as you know, it's not that simple, but that's kind of one of probably the root causes that the elevated stress comes not having people to be in real contact. Also kind of, there's a lot of other stuff. Yeah. How about monks who decide to be lonely, like on a, well, this on a is mountain? Like, I mean, they're not probably dying of lack of oxytocin. No, because this is kind of the system, it's, how well, what I now write, I talk about this a lot. So it's basically, 
I had to choose, you know, put the line somewhere. So I choose the three main hormones because if we take a look at the, the you know, the crazy um, high state of love when we meet somebody and we're crazy in love. So basically then our dopamine, dopamine levels are super high. Right. Because of that, we have some serotonin drops, which makes us feel like, oh my God, will this last? Will he love me You know, as much as I love him? We might even now, mm-hmm. as it's, it's a tin, tinder, uh, tinder generation, so we probably even like don't even want to try because it's very stressful state. Our cortisol levels are really high. Right. So, but after that, if we... Uh, success to go through that phase, let's say, suffer that year and a half. Yeah, and probably also it's not suffering. People not uh, suffering. It was a joke. It's the, it's sure. supposed to be a great, yeah. <laughs> a great I phase. Mean, people have high dopamine levels, so that's probably why they don't necessarily see any problems. No, in because the, in the beginning, so because all the good things just overpower anything that seems to be a little bit off maybe the other person it's also and our mm. prefrontal cortex is not working right right mm. so basically mm. that's why we don't see the problems uh-huh. you know mm. if if the friend comes and say like hey that guy he just came out from jail he's maybe not that good for you you're like how can you say that he's like perfect we don't see it and then mm. after two years when our mm. brain kind of normalizes we realize we usually think that he has changed or she has changed, but actually our brain has changed. And then the chemistry has changed. So basically in a good relationship, we have these three hormones in a very nice, stable um, dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. Of course, there are like, you know, Many many others, but these are the main components. So then I started to kind of dig deeper and think like, what would it be? What are the sustainable sources for dopamine? Because as we know, we can to do a line of Coke or drink some booze and get, get a little hype. But what if we think really about the sustainability? Right. So then I started to talk more and find out about meaning. Mm-hmm. Finding the monk, he has a meaning. So, so that's why he... Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. But yeah. Aren't we living actually in a high dopamine society? Very high. Because if you think of like the way how we are rewarded all the time by social technologies, um, I mean, those are triggering some of our very primitive behavioral needs. And this is what Silicon Valley is definitely like going after. So people feel connection and... Uh, rewarded by attention mm-hmm. and likes and sharing and all that. So they, they kind of get a lot of the dopamine. Then there is uh, also easy access to all kinds of entertainment, television, uh, games that do the same. Basically, you know, they think how they can get you hooked into the very basic yeah. reward mechanism. And then there is the whole epidemic of uh, easy access to pornographic material. Mm-hmm which uh, according to some studies seems to make uh, younger men less interested in the opposite sex without all the reward. And also, um, I mean, dopamine is kind of a signaling molecule that uh, also when it's released, you need more stimulus to get the same amount from the same kind of activity. So 
so then people get into addictive behaviors uh, in so many things and relationships can be also well this is right? i talk a lot about this and uh, i call it like empty calories basically we are eating in mcdonald's all the time mm. because you know when i go to instagram and i'm feeling kind of a little anxious and i decided to post a picture a pretty picture of myself so I start getting these dopamine rushes because I'm I'm waiting how many likes, who will like it, who will comment. And when somebody will say like, hey, you look so pretty, I give serotonin. Oh, my, my tribe digs me, you know, mm. I'm accepted. It's great. But the problem is there's no oxytocin. We're not in a real contact. And that's why 10 minutes after, you know, I'm probably feeling more miserable than before that. So it's the same thing. It's... You know, if, if going to a McDonald's every now and then, it's fine. But if you start hanging out there every lunch, every dinner, it's it will make you sick. Right. And this is this is exactly what you're describing. What's happening? Same with Google. Mm -hmm. You go there, and two hours after you have bought a mat that you don't need or whatever, uh, checking out some some pictures. And you're definitely right with the pornography. Mm -hmm. But also, I'm I have a 13 year old daughter and a one year old son. And I'm very concerned, not about her, but in general, the teenagers, because they do get so much dopamine of all these social media and stuff that there are some research that the teenagers don't fall in love anymore <laughs> because they are not, they are not needing yeah. it anymore. It's the same as, you know, if you're addicted to drugs, you're not interested in love. Yeah, yeah. And so or, you're or getting you, a fix from there. Or if you watch too much porn, then you are not necessarily interested in just regular intercourse, which is which seems to be one of the things. And uh, many biohackers actually talk about the fact that uh, if you want to be a fully optimized human being, you should uh, definitely uh, sustain yourself from uh, from, from this porn, kind of yeah. external stimulation and. Tim Ferriss wrote in the For Our Body book also about um, uh, like avoiding e ejaculation for that. I, I if I remember correctly, the sweet spot was maybe every six or seven days or something like this. Yeah. And then you have also high levels of motivation mm -hmm. on a very natural way. Yeah, and but that's like what athletes... Pro athletes have been doing knowing not not they probably don't do the seven days, but at least the night before the game. Right. That you don't want to waste that. So maybe that maybe the thousands of years old uh, teachings on, on on tantra, for example, that um, also promote the idea, especially in men, to avoid ejaculation, might be also a really important source of. Uh, higher performance yeah as a doctor i must say that there's probably like the balance again because then again there's a lot of if you think about uh uh state hypertrophy so yes. then again it's it's important to educate for for to prevent that exactly. so i think it's yeah. it's it's once again there's always balance. the balance yeah. Yeah. how you do Prostate it state problems or performance <laughs> yeah yeah what which what, what do you want yeah. but then also i must say that the good news for people that are watching porn is like the mm. recovery it's been proven that our brain mm. recovers pretty well like two months and it will start yeah. to normalize because it's a very a lot of people don't notice that for example they don't turn on anymore with their girlfriend or with their boyfriend yes. because because of the porn and they don't know that it's the porn they think it's the person 
Yes. But mm. but uh, they associate the lack of interest. In, yeah. In, then in the so then it's good to have a break, kind of kind of detox, and then see how things right. will feel. So let's go back to the heart. Uh, we went from meaning to porn quite yeah, quickly. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's go back to the the real meaning of relationships. So people get really deep into um, the symbiotic relationship that uh, when it breaks, uh, it feels like you are severed of a limb, basically. So suddenly you feel very empty and alone, which mm-hmm. many people experience when they lose someone in their close relationships. Uh, it could be also a family member, yeah. but uh, in terms of a long relationship... Uh, or work relationship. Relas- work relationship, romantic relationship. So um, then we get elevated levels of stress, and that's probably an evolutionary uh, survival mechanism that kicks in, mm-hmm. basically the need to belong, the feeling of being safe. Now, I want to ask you in this context... Now, in terms of differences between men and women, um, so from an evolutionary perspective, if a woman decides to hang around with a man to reproduce, probably there is a need for some safety from the man and also access to food and so on, like just from a hunter-gatherer mm-hmm. perspective. And in terms of men, um, there is probably some different drivers that are related to that relationship. So uh, there is uh, obviously differences uh, here. So uh, how how do you see that? Well, from the biological evolution or like biological perspective, of course, there are differences because as we know, men can can spread their semen very efficiently. And it also depends whether are very dopamine high or serotonin high male yeah. as they uh, are, it's been shown that they have different uh, mm. uh, strategies to spread their semen. So, yeah. which would mean that the serotonin high people would rather uh, have more kids with the same, same spouse or uh, uh, same person. And the dopamine high, they would probably, are, they are more prone to have uh, various like relationships. Alpha, alpha male with... Um, well, uh, alpha female. male is more a testosterone-driven characteristic, but it's, mm. I would say, like, uh, these are the guys, let's say, 50,000 years ago. So the serotonin guy was the guy who would take care of the, you know, the, the camp or whatever, and the, the dopamine guy would go through the jungle or or yes, Columbus yes. would go <laughs> and find... An, or, or you probably are dopamine high, you want to you know, come up with new stuff all the time and biohack and all that. I'm very dopamine high. Uh, so so we do take bigger risks. We don't think about safety as much. We, I wasn't afraid to kind of quit traditional medicine, way of practicing medicine to do something I really feel meaningful and... and, and I was just recently, I was in Ukraine in a very cool biohacking conference and I met a geneticist who said mm. that there are some genetic differences that actually may the way how the bi- body encodes dopamine receptors that you can be have high affinity to dopamine. So yeah. meaning that you're more likely to be rewarded, you're more likely to be kind of that person who is excited always to get into new projects and uh, generally speaking like... Uh, also maybe suffers of anxiety because there's so many opportunities to deal with. And then there's people who just focus on one thing. 
And um, so there might be some genetic reasons also why. There are, and it's been genetically proven, and the dopamine hype people, they are usually more prone to addictions and, and, and all this kind of stuff. But the question also I was answering about this reproductive stuff. So, of course, women, because as we still, we are the ones carrying the baby for nine months, so we kind of are in a way a little bit more even selected in that phase right. than like... You know, these are kind of things that we don't talk a lot, but on some subconscious level, I think uh, that's why we do have a lot of, uh, in my book, I do write all, about all this. And I think it's great because when we know it's like, well, it's normal. I feel like that. For example, guy feeling that, you know, even he's very in love with the girlfriend, sometimes he might feel lust for somebody else. And it's biologically totally natural and it doesn't mean that you don't love her it's just bio biology so basically what's going on there is that you can have simultaneously high oxytocin that you're attached to a close relationship but you also have a natural tendency and drive um, for the reward mechanisms yeah and this again it's a very com kind of you know our brain is very complex so it's a, there's cultural reasons there's a lot of lot of things that affect how we how we feel and how we how much, and then how much, also, you, yeah. how much do you think that it is uh, in terms of that people are in monogamistic relationships that it is cultural conditioning versus um, natural conditioning well i think uh, i also wrote about this so if we look at our ancestors though, so they lived in this uh, serial monogamous relationships which we still do basically so at least i have been <laughs> living so you have a long relationship you and that you have another long one and so i don't know that's at least so one that's of the course evolutionary basis that's that i don't know I, I, this is not i'm not specialized in this one but i have been interviewing i am spending a lot of time with uh marco frantala who's uh, who's a very uh I, she's a professor in this area and uh, this is at least how he sees this right okay so um there is modern interest and tendency to also look at uh polyamorous relationships um and is that somehow related to you know this this fact that it's very easy to find you know uh, relationships and and, and so on. The people who are into polyamorous relationships, many of them I see that they actually suffer a lot at some point in terms of uh, heartache and, and problems uh, dealing with uh, all the drama that comes with uh, those and also personal uh, attachment issues and fears and, and so on. And, and several people who um, are uh, proponents of polyamorous relationships, you, you could take people like in the parking community, there is uh, Aubrey Marcus has become very famous for 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 talking about that. Uh, the way how I see it, uh, listening to him is that he sees that as a evolution in terms of who you are. So it puts you very strongly face to face with the things that uh, maybe are tra traumas coming from your childhood or. Um, you know, any, any issues that basically require you to work on yourself. So he sees those relationships and all that as a way of uh, getting rid of uh, the ego or develop yeah. human consciousness. 
also. I think there's a lot of truth in that. In my my way of thinking, I see uh, every kind of trauma, every heartbreak, every loss we have in life as an enormous uh, possibility for growth. As we do at that state, loss this. If I again start with mm. with this language of hormone language, so we lose these hormones, and suddenly we have to create create a total new balance. So either we can go really down, or we mm. can go really up, and it's up to us mm. how we see it. And so, for example, let's say now if we talk about relationship and heartbreak, after that what happens? So what I started to talk about the the sustainable sources of dopamine, sustainable sources of serotonin, sustainable sources of oxytocin. So that state is a perfect state to create your own sustainable love system. Because first of all, as we are in front of something new, we can it's easier to create habits. If you're probably very familiar with habit formation, so you have probably a new house, you have new routines, so you can start doing those. And then it's time to kind of slow down, go into yourself thinking, what is really, what makes me feel secure? What is how I'm connecting with the world? Right. Uh, how could I be more present uh, throughout my day? So the monks that you mentioned, they are, they've been doing their, their, studying so that's why probably they have that feeling of love because they they have their hormones covered from these sustainable sources right yeah and um there's this tendency for people to see that they need someone to feel whole and many mm -hmm. of these mystics are talking about the fact that you know you are one with the universe you don't need to anything else but to realize that yourself that it's how you respond to uh, the responsibility comes from your ability to respond to your your mm. relationships and the world around you and you can feel happy and loved and you can express love without actually having this neediness having mm. um, the need to enforce someone else to be uh, or playing the role in your life that somehow like you, you are needing to meet mm feels like from a dopamine perspective that you're needing a rush of dopamine from someone else. Yeah. And, someone and that's else kind of then that. addictive. That's not kind of a question of love, yeah. I would say. So so that's not un unconditional love? No, most likely not. If we are just doing it for that, I think if we go a little bit on the quantum level of love, so I mm. would see basically love as something that then can, can exponentially make us able to grow, like, you know, on, a, on somewhere increased energy in a right. way this is not kind of but now when you kind of took this discussion a little bit this way so that's how i see it that in a good if the real love should be kind of easy shouldn't it and it mm -hmm. should make both people able to grow and lift each other and it might be that you don't even need that love but mm. i think that that is probably the best kind of love right so tell me about the what we started with basically that you don't necessarily need a relationship for love so what do you mean by that well it depends what we talk about so if you you need a relationship to feel romantic love basically or you can take some drugs or whatever but you kind of you do need but i mean to get the health benefits and the great feeling you don't need that as we all know that have 
experience that ha- waking up just having this feeling of love you know feeling like everything is great i'm so happy i don't need anything i feel i could just stay here it's all good so that's of course possible when when we are living the life that makes us feel that way so one of the practices that seems to increase this sense of uh, uh, happiness and content and love is uh, the act of gratitude yeah. that on a daily basis you practice some kind of form it could be a meditation or so that's one part technique. of the sustainable love system right so so you you see gratitude as part of that system so Absolutely. how do you practice it yourself like how do you do that i practice it kind of in a small amounts throughout the day mm-hmm. and uh, but especially evenings i try to do a kind of like like a gratitude meditation or some kind of like mm-hmm. with my first child i remember 13 years ago said that we would always pray and i i think praying is actually that too because you go through all this like hundred relatives and you're like having that feeling of gratitude so i think a lot of actually a lot of ancient wisdom when it comes to praying it's not it it shouldn't have to be religious we should still kind of take the time pray thank for the food for that i have i'm able to be here you know and and just these little moments I just purchased a painting a week ago mm. and I loved it. And I didn't even, like, I just took it home, loved it. And then I was, one morning I was like sitting and staring outside and I just had this feeling of, oh, everything is so good right now. Mm. And the painting fell down and I lifted it and it said, it's, uh, the name of the painting was, it's all good here or right now. I was like, I got chills. So now the painting, when I walk into my house, it's the first thing I see. So every time I see the painting, I have a little love right. and kindness meditation almost. Like, or so gratitude. you have these kind of triggers in your environment that you you bring out to enforce this yeah, co- I think sense it, of gratitude. Yeah, I think it's, that's why, for example, now I've been decorating my new house. I moved just very recently. So I do, I'm kind of, whatever I do, I I try to do that, you know, it's brings whether it's a picture of a painting or anything in the house. So it it creates positive vibes and helps me either crown myself or feel gratitude or all these things that I mm. need. Right. Okay. So what are the other components in your love system? In my love system. So with dopamine I, I it's about the meaning. For me, the, create, the biggest thing I think when I was suffering was that I didn't have enough meaning in my work in the way I was practicing medicine. So then when I started my new company, I started to, you know, I wrote my first book, my work became more meaningful. I think right. that was very essential. So, so when you were a general practitioner, it was uh, too much. Patients, it yeah, was it was too high tempo, too much medications, too much something that I wasn't like happy with. Yeah, dealing so with I think, other people's problems. And, yeah, I like that, but I could, I, th- I always, well, now we come to the second thing about meaning was creativity. So for me, I wasn't being creative enough in my work, right. or I, I. I didn't have space for creativity. And that is something I always now tell my patients or whoever my followers that that I think we are all very creative. And it's just a question of finding what's your way to be creative. Many doctors I've spoken with who have escaped this kind of system approach to medicine, which is uh, being in a clinic, waiting for patients to come in and uh, dealing with a 
within a specific framework, it, it could be 15 or 30 minutes per patient and uh, doing all the documentation and all that. Um, when they escape that by becoming um, researchers or they became um, more focused on, let's say, working with patients who are not really patients, but who are uh, people who are into health and well-being and, and so on, or um, maybe maybe working with high performers or athletes and, and so on. Um, they talk about the fact that um, that transition from this world where everything is controlled from the outside to something where they actually control how they do their work. And yeah. uh, so, so many of them feel much happier now outside the system, yeah. even if they are getting a smaller salary. Yeah. They, they, they would never go back to yeah. the, the systemic approach. And now we get to a very important point because I believe that one of the biggest reasons we're not feeling that crazy is that we don't have our place in the whole, like the system, but I'm talking about mm. deeper meaning in the system, in the world, that that we have a place in a system, which is, for example, clinic or something, kind of artificial system that we don't believe. believe. So I think when we find that meaning and creativity and kind of listen to our dreams that what what we really kind of secretly have always wanted to do when we start to go towards that we most likely will end up being part of the system we are supposed to be absolutely yeah and then because it's i mean like nobody's mm. it's hard to be many people can probably relate to this you don't need to be a doctor in yeah. any profession this is also you, you get sucked in by big stuff. corporations yeah. and you don't feel you have a purpose or an identity uh, outside of your work identity and um, so when you start to build your own personal brand mm -hmm. you empower yourself uh, also yeah. in terms of you talked about creativity maybe projects that are really uh, something mm -hmm. that you're passionate about so passion is also so in your lab system, you would see uh, seeking in your life activities uh, that increase your sense of purpose and passion are kind of uh, important. Yeah, uh, and then comes all this whole serotonin side, which is kind of balancing that. Then it's again like if we go do much there, we will just be like, Woo -hoo -hoo. Yeah, so then we need we need security. So we need to think that what makes whether it's 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 clean home or finances but do those in small scale and big scale because that will keep us you know not being too anxious or too on this this right creative side and then again um i have a test on my site uh kind of easy test whether your dopamine or serotonin high and 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 then again for dopamine high people these things that we talked first are more important as for serotonin high people they can be very happy in a kind of a so-called boring job and as long they have a you know security when they come home and they they you know have the basic stuff right and this is interesting when when you look at the couples where the other one is more dopamine the other one is serotonin and they always have this like why do you have to start a new company again and why can't we just be happy and, and it's brain chemistry differences so it's kind of interesting and you see it even going on an airport when the dopamine high person will be like you know the serotonin person would like want to be there three hours or two hours before and the dopamine high is like like i'm always the one still buying the last magazine even its last call and just then kind of enjoying the kick you get when you don't know uh, if you will make it or not right okay what else do you have in your system so well then 
then um, it's also like traditions, all these like kind of that make we feel um, oh. we're kind of like safe in a way that I think we are a lot of like our generation, if, they, if we think. I think it would be good to have these kind of feelings that, that okay, every Sunday we go and spend, do a lunch with family because that's very great way to kind of stabilize, like give a sustainable serotonin boost as you right. know that there's some structure right so there is there is a lack of uh, tribalism or, or th- yeah. belonging to a community yeah. that comes from community so, so it seems that nowadays sorry to interrupt yeah. but it seems like people go to cities to search for their dreams and work and they live in they don't even know their neighbors mm-hmm. they they go to work and they're pretty much just a number shit of a disconnect from embedding yourself in in, in society in a way uh, and in tribal societies decisions were made together on yeah. town squares uh, there was all these rit- rituals that enforced the, the sense of be- belonging to mm-hmm. to your community and uh, so this already still I mean still exists in small town communities, but when you move into really big uh, cities and you become a cosmopolite, it, it's replaced it's by yeah. by maybe a close circle of relationships uh, or friends, or it might be like just a lot of like people who you just know on a surface level, but not necessarily very deeply. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then there is all these political groups that you might get, uh, get to be part of. Uh, there is... Uh, the book called uh, Bowling Alone um, is written by, uh, let me check, check what his name is. Uh, uh, yeah, Bowling Alone, The Collapse and Revival of American Community. Robert Putnam, uh, yeah. he spoke about the fact that uh, there's less and less uh, since uh, 1950s uh, uh, participation in, in these kind of communal activities. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there is a disconnect in people's purpose. Now, Finland is a country which is full of all kinds of associations. There's probably more associations than people, but still like what social technologies and social media has done, it has replaced the need to belong to associations, Mm -hmm. um, to um, even belong to any kind of political movements and so on. So people uh, fulfill that need through social media and social technologies. So when they are part of a group on Facebook, or they like or share a post about something that they feel important about that already fulfills their need of belonging. Yeah. So they don't like uh, literally organize themselves together, mm-hmm. but it's kind of these loose connections that emerge. And this the is, we go back to the square that then we do have a little bit of problematic situation where we don't, we're losing this third and very important part of our love system, which is the oxytocin system. Mm-hmm. So we should, for that, we should be more present and have these real communities and at least uh, be present when we are, you know, buying groceries. So we Finns are really bad at this. Like I used to live mm-hmm. in LA where you go to Whole Foods and it's always this nice little conversation with the, you know, wherever you go. And it might be superficial, but at least it's something. Like here, people just turn their head down. And I think these are the moments that you can also use throughout your day. Of course, in a perfect scenario, we have communities. Like 
I just moved to a, a little apartment building where I know everybody that lives there, and I, I, it gives a lot of serotonin and also oxytocin because I have these conversations. I know that if something would happen, there are people that you know I can call on. So all these kind of it's not just that you know on a Facebook, mm. you send a message, you share something. It it gives. I I'm not saying that there are a lot of benefits also in that that we we can keep in touch with a lot of people through Facebook and they're enormous like yes there, there's positive a bunch size, of, but mm. but eventually mm. I think we will go back I think even the like the teenager when I'm not looking so I see they're already tendency that they are getting bored and they want to be more in the moment than just go yeah. to to towards the traditional yeah, there's stuff there's a bunch of research that shows yeah. that people can actually feel extremely lonely um, by being extremely social online so yeah. it seems like everyone else yeah, so. and especially if we, today we were supposed to talk about the women's like situation and women's health and all this. So we women, especially, we are kind of wired to compare each other to other women, and and then it's all the time there. Everybody looks great. They have their house looking perfect. The kids are just like adorable. Nobody's screaming. And I was just talking about this because I was approached and somebody told that you always seem to be so energetic and and like empowering that what about when you're going through some heavy stuff that like how come can you i'm like come on like it's social media how would it look if you're like psychologists would be there like just like crying and and like having nervous breakdown on, on instagram we don't do that it's like of course it's and that's why we should always remember that it's just a very little moments of people's life and the truth can be something something totally different yeah what is what is very interesting is um, i recently uh, read a lot about um, psychologist carl jung's um, concept of the wounded healer yeah that uh, um, many therapists uh, people who practice health wellness they end up in that profession through their personal health struggles, almost everybody, psychological problems, and so on. And um, there, there's there's um, a study that was conducted on this, and percent of counselors and psychologists have experienced one or more wounding experiences leading to their own career choice. So it's yeah. it's important to remember that um, yeah, many of those people who are there to help others have actually gone through their own personal yeah. struggles. Now that means that all of us are basically in a state where we could be healers in training through our own challenges. Yeah. But at the moment how it's it plays out is how people protect themselves on, on these platforms is is basically when we compare ourselves to others, it's always only the high moments when you're on a vacation, where you're in a nice yeah. restaurant, when you have a cool new relationship or met someone. And it's all even amplified with all kinds of uh, social media filters that make everything look, look. so vibrant and beautiful yeah. and your skin looks perfect and yeah. <laughs> all that. And then yeah. I'm like, where is your filter right now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So so it's a comp- it's it's a filter society and people feel less obviously because they do their own lives often yeah. um, and how addictive those filters are i i remember when back in the days when snapchat was kind of a new thing and i uploaded it 
started using and I realized that it took like a week and I was totally hooked on filters and I decided that this is not for me. I'm way too uh, prone to be addictive on this. So I realized and it's funny how then suddenly, you know, but it's it's how our brain works. Yeah. I mean, detoxing yourself from all these uh, apps and constant uh reward rewarding and gratification through social technology is definitely something that you can make to desensitize sensitize sen, sen, damn that's a hard word desensitize sensitize yeah desensitize damn oh, <laughs> i don't know everybody uh, knows what we mean <laughs> yes anyway so here we go so you yeah. can reduce the stimulation so that you can feel stimulated again and uh to be connected again. And it seems that a lot of anxiety actually comes from all this overstimulation, uh, as we've been discussing already here, some of the mechanisms now. Okay, so we've been going through some of those things that we can do in our lives to increase uh, the likelihood of feeling love and being able to love. Uh, Is there something else we haven't yet touched? Well, I think one thing we haven't touched is that, okay, when we have these like deep questions that we have to go through, then I could talk 10 hours about those. But once we have figured those out and and find out what is meaningful for me and what is, you know, makes me feel secure and all this like about being present and not so on. So then still we need this like basic system to make that system work. And there I think um, vagal nerve, for example, it's a very super important. I actually call it the love, the love nerve, for mm. that reason that if our vagal nerve is not functioning right, mm. the love hormones can be kind of flowing. Right. Yeah. So that's why whatever affects vagal nerve affects our love hormones. So in a way, then we go through that. We go, let's say, microbiome. Mm. Now we have more research how microbiome d- directly through vagal nerve, you know, affects our mind. So mm. what we eat how we breathe, uh, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. what strikes me fascinating, fascinating is that if, if we talk about the autonomous nervous system, mm-hmm. the only part of that which is not autonomous actually is the breathing. Uh, yeah. You can consciously affect that and through breathing techniques you can influence your vagal nerve and vagal tone. Yeah. And uh, so definitely all these ancient breathing techniques that, I mean, biohackers are very well versed in, uh, in Wim Hof method and and uh, different pranayama style breathing techniques yeah. and uh, and so on. Um, learning to use your breathing is the key to your autonomic nervous system and balancing things out when they go uh, go out of hand. Um, yeah. There's actually a few questions coming uh, online. Uh, are you familiar with the Braverman's test? Um, it's a it's a test for uh, if you are high on dopamine or serotonin and so on. Uh, it's it's a very comprehensive test. It's actually in the mind chapter of Barker's handbook, and there then there is also all kinds of foods that you can use to maybe yeah, to reduce or increase um, the likelihood of uh, uh, well, supporting give, yeah, and giving the systems. And this is the thing that we would have been next in the chapter to also have the building blocks. Right. The right building blocks for the hormones. Mm. So if we're lacking something, so of course mm. that will affect. Yeah, sure. Like if you are deficient in uh, several micronutrients, um, exactly. You, you don't have the building blocks to make even those yeah. neurotransmitters. So your anxiety might be actually 
lack of iron or yeah. something else. Plus, of course, when you go to to, to chronic inflammation or uh, so that affects everything, chronic stress, of course, will eat lava hormones same way yeah. as it eats sex hormones. Yeah. So basically everything is interconnected. So if you reduce um, uh, inflammation, you also increase likelihood of uh, feeling uh, content, happy and loved. Um, so so there is there is several studies that show when it comes to phytochemicals, for example, what comes to my mind, a recent, recent article I read about is about curcumin, that curcumin can yeah. help women with uh, PMS, uh, actually, when they yeah. take higher dosages of that around that time. Well, the PMS is also very important because I feel, you know, we should have not should have not be have, having PMS as it's telling that we're doing something right. I think PMS is great because it tells mm. us to stop and think, what are you doing wrong? Let's say if every time mm. you're PMSing, you, you think that I want to leave my husband, you should probably leave him. I mean, like in a way, or think like, what can you mm. do better? Not leave, but better in the relationship. But why? Because it kind of takes down the masking hormones. Right. With, you know, estrogen do- dropping. Um, um, uh, so be, you, what you're saying, you become more in touch with your real needs. Yes. Ex- yeah, you put it right. So basically, it's, again, it's a great tool, even it has a little bit of negative clang, but we should mm. see it as a, same way as menopause is seen a little bit, I think, it, at least here in Finland, as a negative thing. If you do, if we take a look at the ancient wisdom, it was the time when women would become wise in a tribe and they would be more respected because they they would start seeing stuff better and, you know, kind of probably because they do, would not need to focus on, <laughs> you know, finding the guy to have more kids with anymore. So in a way, when your tribe would tell you that, you would instantly start feeling good about it instead of being like, oh, you know, oh my God, I'm becoming old and I'm having these more issues. It's how we're, you know, it's what what is the story I'm telling myself? What is the story I'm hearing, you know? Yes. Mm. So this is very important whole area about about female and hormones, plus the cyclicity. I must say, I posted mm. yesterday on my, on my Instagram story a clip that I was playing tennis and it was really kind of high tempo, kind of practice or something. Mm. And then I, I had a huge need to post and tell that actually I always, everybody else plays their two hours. I always quit after hour and a half if I'm on my second uh, half of my, my cycle. Because I know if I play two hours, it's too much and I will be irritated and more like mm. angry and it's too much. So I know my, I feel it. I don't track myself because mm. I don't like tracking anymore. Mm. I tracked enough and now I'm like, I, I rather feel. Right. So what you're saying is uh, PMS is good and so no, no. What I'm saying this is, this is the same. No, this is not about PMS. This is the hormones that mm. because if uh, you know, as we mm. know, stress hormones are cumulative. So if I have stress in my life and then I practice really hard, I work out too hard. So then I have too much stress. My my stress uh, sex hormones are coming down, yes. which make me makes me like irritated yeah. and all these symptoms and you know. I might start. So balancing you know, it out is basically more about listening your cycle, listening, listening yeah. your mm-hmm. cycle, your needs. How do I work out on this this part of my cycle? 
you know, if I'm ovulating, so I can do a more high tempo th- stuff and whatever. Right. So and basically, I'm timing things correctly, yeah. also like in a cyclical yeah. manner. There is a biohacker called Joe Cohen, and um, yeah. he became famous because he he was ready to give like ten thousand dollars to someone who helps him find love, and eventually he did find love. But uh, with this lady, um, he ended up in uh, yeah serious. Uh, problems uh because of her mood swings <laughs> and uh, the, the yeah the lady's mood yeah swings. mood swings yeah. were a big problem because he was working all the time and the, the lady um had some mood swings so yeah. uh he decided to biohack his uh his his newfound love and uh uh, so they did a genetic test and figured out that she's more likely to be low on these things or high on these things. Yeah. And then, then she supplemented on those things um, and suddenly all the mood swings went away. Yeah. And now they're happy and they're getting married. So so <laughs> uh, I mean, this should, is- should everyone be taking lithium or what else was on the list? Uh, to to just balance things out like this or not? But even like with essential oils, it might be uh, that you know the the mood swings are because of we're having too many um, hormone disruptors like senoestrogens or whatever. So it's like you right. know it's a, mm-hmm. we could do an, another podcast on this theme. But there's of course a lot of stuff we can do. But the point is that we should not suffer. It's yeah. a just sign. It's a great sign. Like hey. You should fix something. It might be that you're working out too hard. It might be that you're not eating enough oils. It or might be you're that you're not sleeping enough. Of course, which is probably one of the biggest reasons why people have mood swings. <laughs> it's because it is. they just don't recover. Tell me about it. Like mm. when la- my last baby, he woke up like 15 times a night. Mm. So I knew all about how can you be in a ha- happy after that. You, it's impossible. You are on a bad mood. Now he sleeps 11 hours straight. And I must say, it's a lot easier. Yeah, there, there's a question here uh, which is related to relationships. Um, so there's someone who has exactly the same symptoms as you have had. Yeah. And um, there's a bunch of anxiety going on with a recent heartbreak. So the question is like, how do you get over someone? <laughs> if I would have the answer yeah. like this, I would be a billionaire. How, how, do, how do you accept yeah. what well, has happened? Well, I think, okay, the first the key thing is that we have to kind of feel the pain and go through it. Like this is a very interesting fact that I want to share now. I haven't actually shared it before, but um, when I was having going through um, uh, one heartbreak or like one relationship ended, so I was kind of feeling already really fine and good and great, but I had this like really like pain around my eyes, and I saw really connected to our you know, it's kind of, they say that it's, they're, you know, connected to a whole, our body and even like our soul or whatever. So my own theory was that I hadn't faced the feelings enough. And then I just went in the forest and I basically like cried and screamed for a week. Everything disappeared. So the, the, here is kind of the, the point, what I'm saying is that we should not have the instant cure because people do a lot of this. We start doing triathlon or we start to drink booze or whatever to mask the pain, but then we miss that, that growth potential that is there. So Mm -hmm. now my message to whoever is asking is like, you just have to think that no matter how painful it is now. So this is the time for you to grow. And I promise that after at least some years, you will 
see why this was super important. Uh, probably a really great thing for you and you will be a better person. You will understand yourself. Right. So now I would stop um, going, oh, my book is, it's not out yet in English, but <laughs> read that mm. and understand your, like, go really think what you like, like what you've mm. dreamed and start taking baby steps towards there. So every every uh, challenge in life is an opportunity to grow yeah. and uh, to be able to reflect that point somewhere in the future yeah. as an important step in your own personal growth. Yeah. And then one day when you start taking these steps, you just notice, oh my God, the pain just disappeared. It will then just happen naturally. And then, of course, all these things that we talked, I think meditation Mm-hmm. amazing because that will then calm the nervous system and tell like everything is okay so you just you should just do these practices tell yourself that it's all good it's all yeah. good it's is, all there, good. is there a, v- a specific form of meditation that you would recommend i was just uh, listening to david lynch uh the the great yeah. uh, movie director and he's a big proponent of transcendental meditation. Yeah, and like saw, a lot of people in Hollywood. And he saw that as a solution to all problems. Basically. Well, I've, I actually, I, I even twice I was supposed to go on a course, but I, I never made it there. I think there's some mm-hmm. kind of mean, meaning on that, that I haven't yeah. done it yet. But I, as I told, we're all individuals. So I think it's it's good to try different. Like I might, I started just using like one giant mind or some, a lot of people use calm or breathe. I think, again, take the easy one. Start with five minutes. Go to ten. Not not be like, oh, I'm going to do intransensational meditation for like, with this group for two months. Like, just five minutes. See how you feel. So I think that's kind of the way to start. Uh, you mentioned calm. Is that what you use? Uh, I use now, now just one giant mind a lot. Then there's calm. There's uh, breathe. These are all like great apps. Headspace uh, for headspace. Mindfulness type. Then there's yeah. um, Audible had this like sleep better that I now used. It's like seven little hmm. uh, something. There was something I don't know what binaural beats or what they're using, but right. there's they, something that really made me every single time like just fall asleep and in right. very deep hmm. sleep. So you is, know, is, there's plenty of options. Is there any like biohacks that you are doing like? Maybe a spike mat or a red light therapy device, yeah. or is there is there like anything that you? Yeah, do? I I do some spike mat sometimes, mm. um, but I do usually spike mat if I feel like you know I'm I'm not naturally a great sleeper, but I sleep very well now. But mm. because my baby might wake up at four a.m. and then it's really hard to go back to sleep, so sure. then I might use it. But especially when I was in a severe heart, uh, having those heart aches, so then I used spike mat a lot. Um, I think exposure to sun is very important during the the middle of the day for your hormones. Like we actually forgot that. Um, Red light, uh, I do actually lead treatments, but I haven't done it for a little, but that's also some way very relaxing me. Even I do it for for skin Mm. purposes, but same. So it's red light. Mm. Uh, What else would be there? So these are kind of the, like the essential oils. I would mm. like what what specifically or lavender I I have or? two mixes like morning boost which is which has uh some crepe it also has actually a little lavender even my evening mm. one has more lavender Some people have morning boost Yeah but this is <laughs> yeah this is like uh, I think it had um evening's peppermint sage mm. lavender mm. 
like all these mm-hmm. i think you know if in finland sauna everything mm-hmm. that kind of like helps you to right yeah help you helps do you do you to like relax. cold plunges or i've always done it since i was 12 years old I don't know why. Uh, I've intuitively done a lot of, of this stuff since I was, I'm from a countryside, from a farm. And I, I was a national sprinter when I was a young. So I don't know if I had read it somewhere, but I always did this, like kind of my own little biohacking. Even I'm, I'm not really doing, I admire what you guys are doing now. This like real biohacking thing. But but yeah, on a smaller scale, I do a lot. Is there like some supplementation or food choices that you see yourself doing over and over again so, because yes, of what you this know. So, yes, important, for example, uh, heartbreaks, all stressful states, or even we are not in a normal state. So magnesium uh, with bio, B, vitamin B612, yeah. or, you, you know, if we have a higher level mm. of stress, so I would take maybe a good quality yeah. uh, vitamin B complex. Yeah, because you lose B vitamins. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And... Um, Otherwise, I'm not taking, I'm not really, really taking a lot of supplements because I try to eat very like uh, uh, density rich, like micro density rich food. Is there some specific like food ingredients? Well, I must say that heartbreaks actually all this dark green. Well, that's actually, yeah, the endorphins (laughs) and all that. But but I mean like green colors, actually the nitric oxide, you know, it's kind of like, it's good for your heart. Because it kind of opens the vessels, what we need, because we are kind of scrunching out. So it's kind of opens. So that's why I yeah. I actually use green color, even it might be good to color your one room green if mm. you like green. But actually, mm. uh, green is good color to treat uh, heartbreak. Right. And then, then, of course, when you start recover, you add a little bit of yellow, a little bit of orange. It's new beginnings, moving. I love the science behind colors as well. Right. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so not dressing in black might help you get Well, up, actually, get over. at first, dress black. I've been there like half a you know, year, just mm. black, wearing all black, because that's mm. that pain, you know, it's it protects you. And there's a moment for that. But then you should come up and start yeah. using the colors. So yeah be, be reborn as reborn new. yeah interesting so um yeah um maybe we can have the screen over so yeah if if anyone is interested in what you're doing they can go to docemilia.com yeah um, there's un- unfortunately there's not most of the stuff is right now in finnish but i hope that yeah. soon there will be more in english yeah i noticed that uh, if people want to do like the Hormone test, it's in Finnish. But uh, yeah, you're you're also going to launch a new podcast, writing new books. Uh, those are being translated. So so maybe people can go over there and sign up for a newsletter if they're interested. Yeah. Mm. Very good. So you're coming to Biker Summit. I want to show also uh, what's going on there. Uh, so Biker Summit, uh, the new website is up right now. So if people go to bikersummit.com, they can see a lot of new content, including the lineup of speakers that are coming over. Uh, I'm really personally stoked to have, have, for example, Dr. Molly Malouf coming over. She's been just uh, two weeks on a meditation co- uh, retreat, probably doing a Vipassana type of thing. And uh, yeah, so she's talking about blood sugar management, but probably off the record, you know, when people are over there, they might want to ask also Molly about the health benefits of doing meditation. So 
there you go. Uh, we have Greg Potter talking about sleep optimization. Max Lugaver, who became really big in the U.S. recently uh, with the publication of the Genius Foods book. Uh, he's been on Dr. Oz, Ott's show as one of the regular experts. Uh, he's awesome. Mad Ventures also for uh, people in Finland. Everyone knows them, but outside, those guys are hilarious. And uh, in our recent newsletter, we also send out one of their classic um, uh, Mad Cook episodes on uh, chicken nuggets, uh, which is probably one of the best pieces of uh, food education that ever been made <laughs> for television, for sure. It's hilarious. Anyway, a lot of cool people are coming over. Uh, Emilia will be there as well on the Barking Woman panel, hanging around. Uh, if people are interested in red light therapy, Dr. Luke Lim will be sharing some of his latest uh, studies and research they published on Nature magazine recently. An interesting article how the brain waves can be modulated by pulsating red light. And um, if you're interested in the full program, we already have a preliminary program over there. Uh, it's going to be jam-packed with uh, amazing content about health, performance, and well-being optimization. Uh, the panel on Barking Woman will be about optimizing female health, hormones, mood, and performance. It's not just for females, also men who are interested in biohacking their their <laughs> better parts and uh, to better know also the opposite sex, as well as, I mean, uh, looking at all these differences, there's always a question about uh, how, how those differ from men. And we also have a list of our exhibitors who are coming over. That's still a growing list. And yeah, we still still have a late bird going on. So the price is going to increase soon. So you should definitely book your uh, visit to Barker Summit. It's our five-year anniversary almost. You're all very welcome. So, uh, Emilia, uh, the thing that I want to ask you is also like, um, in, in terms of your own experience going through all those hard heartbreaks and uh, lessons learned and changing not really full career, but the positioning where you're kind of driving yourself and kind of uh, being reborn like a phoenix bird out of ashes. Uh, what are the things that you learned that uh, you want to share to people today? What should they pay attention to? I mean, we touched many things, but is there something very specific? From from a heartbreak? From, from, from traumas? Just, or? just like if you want to optimize your health and performance yeah. and well being and uh, so love seems to be a key component for you yeah well as i told i learned i mean like almost everything from it because i learned who i'm who i'm really it, it's kind of traveling back to the kid i was i had lost it in a way going on an autopilot so what that moment is a you know once again a great opportunity to stop and go back and find the inner you the little Amelia that loved to was always super creative and 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 loved to do things differently and kind of brave and not thinking whatever yeah. other people say you know it's kind of right. what I've right now I love combining media and science and and mm. five years ago a lot of people were like whoa 
like, how can you do that? But I think it was a good thing that I started doing it because. So you had a lot of suppressed emotions and because of those problems you had in relationships, you decided to revisit what really drives you and what really no, interests you? No, I think it, the suppressed feelings, it's not even about the relationship. It's about I had been suppressing whether it's like, you know, it's it's a culture, whoever, you know, kind of molds us during our bath. Right. So I'm not saying that that ah. I was suppressed in relationship, but ah. I mean like you can hear you were all suppressed that as in well. your own driving like, interest, and you yeah, were doing most things of that society are. was expecting from yeah, you. Yeah, like I want, yeah. like to be honest, like I wanted to be an actress probably or dancer, mm. and mm. I went to med school. But now I see it's like connecting the dots. Like I love being a doctor, but I just needed a creative, the creative way of practicing and science. expressing yourself. Mm. Yeah, very good. So. So, so uh, with all that, I mean, thank you very much for coming along. So people can go to docemilia.com to learn more about you. And uh, is that the same also for social media? Can they follow you? Docemilia, Doc Instagram. Mm. Yeah, still posting a lot of in Finnish, but, 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 but there's a translator button. <laughs> Wonderful. Amazing. So, so looking forward to... Uh, you know, your contribution to Biker Summit on 1st and 2nd of November. And with that, um, thank you very much for the interview. Yeah, thank you. It was great to be here. Thank you. Okay, have a healthy rest of the week. You too. Cheers. <laughs>